Arkansas Row Crops Radio, providing up-to-date information and timely recommendations on row crop production in Arkansas. Hello and welcome to the Weeds Are Wild podcast series as a part of Arkansas Row Crops Radio. This is Tom Barber, Extension Weed Scientist with the University of Arkansas System Division of Agriculture. Today I have Dr. Bill Robertson with me on the podcast. Bill, as most of you know, is our Extension Cotton Specialist. Welcome back to the Weeds Are Wild podcast, Bill. Uh, thanks, Tom. <laughs> I, I know last time we were talking about, the uh, last time I had you as a guest on here, we were talking about how uh, late the cotton crop was and we were wanting some heat units in September uh, to kind of finish it out. Well, at least for the first two weeks, I think we've, uh, we've got those heat units maybe. Yeah, we sure did. And, and, you know, boy, did, did we start off ugly or what? <laughs> yeah, it was but, uh, nasty. Yeah, it was nasty. But, you know, a lot of times, you know, like a basketball team, a lot of times, you know, teams can kind of start off a little rough and they get a little better and get a little better. And then when you get a conference tournament, they kind of get better. And then they peak when they get into the tournament. And that's, that's kind of maybe what some of our cotton crops doing here this year. And so, uh, we, you know, some of our, some of our later cotton looked pretty ugly. We, we were getting laid in the calendar and it was hard to find big bowls out there, but this cotton crop has really turned around and it's, it's looking better. And, uh, you know, we're starting to, uh, to knock some leaves off. Yeah. And that's, uh, that's, that's why we're here. We want to discuss, uh, cotton defoliation or harvest aids and programs a little bit and, and when to get started. And because it's such an odd year, uh, I think people, you know, may be a little confused on when they, they do need to get rolling. And, and if you think back, Bill, I remember picking cotton in the middle of September in the past in some instances. And, and I, to my knowledge, we don't have any cotton pickers rolling yet. Uh, but I have talked to a few people that have, that have uh, started the defoliation process. And uh, I know you're getting calls as well. So, so let's talk about it. Uh, just jump in here and let's talk about timing. So with this okay. co- cotton crop of being a little bit later, uh, tell us what you think about timing and how we need to judge whether that field's ready or not. Okay. But, you know, you know, this nine 11 thing just passed and, and, and everybody kind of remembers what they were doing. I was putting out big defoliation tests on, on nine 11. And I think back, it just seems like to me, Tom, that, that we're putting our harvest aids out a little later and a little later and a little later every year. I don't know if it's because maybe we're pushing the crop a little more. And a lot of times on dry years, we can get by with pushing a little more nitrogen, but it just seems like, and maybe some of the varieties too. Uh, that some of our varieties used to, when they cut out, they were done. These varieties, you know, a lot of them try and t- tend to hang on. But like you were saying a while ago, kind of our target's always been that we need to have a picker in the field somewhere by the middle of September. Well, today is September the 16th, and, and I don't know anybody has a picker in the field, and we're just really getting going good. In fact, I've, I've talked to some people, and they're thinking well, maybe a third of their acres are going to have the first shot on by the first part of next week. So we're just running a little bit later it seemed like kind of by the nature and you, you know, you look at our harvest machines, Tom, you know, the, the, the new pickers that are coming out have about a million dollar price tag. These pickers we have now are, are expensive enough, but I know some people that have, you know, 22, 24, some of them may have 2,500 acres on one picker. And that, that is really stretching the, the, that picker's capacity really hard. And so we've got to get the pickers rolling. And, and then you, you lay that on top of our temperatures. You know, if we look at the the, the first half of August, you know, we accumulated uh, a, a lot of heat units. 
uh, and compare that to to what we accumulated the first half of September. But we, you know, the first half of August, we were we were pretty close to that 20 heat unit a day mark. But by the time we get look at first first half of September, we're we're just we're right at 14 heat units a day. It's kind of been our average. You know, when I was looking, I looked at points at uh, temperatures. So our temperature heat units, although we've gotten some good temperatures, we haven't had any really low temperatures to, to slow the cotton down that much. Our heat units are dropping just the way we always see that. And by the time we get to the end of the month, you know, we're we're down to the neighborhood hardly busting 10 heat units a day in that last week in September. And then, uh, you know, we accumulate heat units about the first half of October and then basically we're done. But, you know, when when year in, year out, I've been I've been in Arkansas uh, since uh, 1995, Tom. And it seems like year in, year out. And, you know, our harvest aid programs used to be really, really expensive, but still, uh, you know, they're, they're expensive enough, but I used to always think, you know, for my bowl openers, for the amount of money I pay for them and to put them out for that, for us to have the heat units, for them to work, for us to get our money's worth out of them. I always felt like our bowl openers had to go out that last week in September because we got to take advantage of the heat units who were going to get the last week of September for them to work. And, you know, when you look at your first shot and, and typically five to seven days later, we put our second shot out, we, we're knocking on the door of our second shot going out that last week of September. And we're on the front end of the defoliation season, not the back end. And so we've got, we've got to get going. We just have to get going. A lot of our, a lot of our fields have, uh, have a good number of heat units on there. Um, and percent open bowls coming up. So we've, We've just we've we've got to pull our ears back and just get started. Well, no, I agree. And and uh, you know, when I look at my, the cotton in my plots or where we have some on farm work or whatever, you know, a lot of that's just now uh thirty and forty percent open. And so I think we have to be realistic too, like you're saying. I mean, we want the heat units to to get those uh harvest aids to work. Um, so we definitely need to be thinking about that. But also if we go too early you know we're not going to get the fruit we think we're going to get on the top i guess because it's just not yeah. going to be mature and so we've got to be i think mindful and realistic as to what the goals are for the cotton crop i mean if it's if it's lagging behind it's like you say we've got this front moving through we're going to get cooler temperatures starting next week uh we're not going to have heat units to mature it out the top you know the way we might might have wanted to you know the last few bowls or whatever so you know, a lot of that's just not going to make it in the basket, I think, at the end of the day. Yeah. You know, Tom, I've done some harvest day timings. And, and when I harvest, when I put a har- my first shot out at 750 heat units past cutout, I've, I've taken a little bit of a yield penalty on that. It seemed like, you know, when I defoliate at 750, the bowls will open. You know, with our, with our products that we put on bowls, they, they can open a bowl whether it's mature or not. It doesn't have to be mature for it to open. It just needs to be, you know, that we need to have plant activity. Uh, but, but we can open the bowls at 750, but it just doesn't seem like they fluff out well. And I don't know if it's because they don't fluff out well, that we don't harvest as much cotton or what, but you know, when I harvest it at 850, I've done the test where I've harvested 750, 850, 950, and 1,050. And from 850 on the bowls open up and fluff out well. But, you know, when I, when I look at the pounds of cotton that we pick, you know, and I, you know, when I put those different heat unit timings out. I try to harvest each one of those when it's harvest ready. I don't wait to the very end to harvest them all at one time. 
So it's kind of a kind of a pain for the farmer that I'm doing this on to, to, to harvest these for me. But uh, a lot of times I would nearly always get a rain between my 850 harvest and my 950. And then between my 950 and 1050, I'd get another rain. And so by the time I'd lose cotton to the ground from the rains, I'd lose uh, cotton quality uh, dollar-wise per acre. It just wasn't any advantage waiting past 850. But there was, you know, like you say, there, there was a little bit of a yield penalty for defoliating too early. But, you know, the year that we've had this year, we've had, it's been pretty dry. We've had some good heat units. And so sometimes if you look at percent open bowls, it'll fool you. You know, if we've got a lot of fertility out there and Mother Nature's been giving us some rain, the plant has a lot of horsepower, those bowls, even though they're mature, they're just not opening up. Because that's, you know, opening is, is just, uh, you know, associated with senescence of the plant. And when they've got their second wind, well, they're not thinking about uh, going, you know, senescence or, you know, like grandbabies being tired for a nap. So sometimes open bowls will fool you, but I think our open bowls are going to kind of be more in line with, with, with kind of our traditional thoughts on, on for us, you know, somewhere between 50 and 55% open is when we, we've got to get things going. And, you know, you talk about, you know, some of your plots being about 30 to 40% with the heat units we're getting as dry as it is, uh, we'll get there pretty quick, but it's just right around the corner. No, I agree. And I, and I think our plan is to, you know, observe and start putting some, some, uh, treatments out next week. Uh, and I agree with you a hundred percent, you know, on everything that, that you just said right there. And I think it's important to know you, you made a very good point. Just don't rely on percentage open only because I've seen it many times, just like you said, yeah. it can fool you. So you can always go oh, out yeah. there, find that uppermost harvestable bowl and, you know, take that pipe cutter or whatever and slice it open and, and, make sure there's no jelly in that seed. And Bill, it's been my experience as long as we don't have jelly in the middle. I mean, a lot of times that bowl's going to open, you know, if the jelly's oh, not exactly. in the middle of that seed. So Exactly. And, you know, a lot of times, you know, I have to train my eye sometimes and, and I have to do that every year, but, but I'll find a plant. Our fruit retention has been really good. I'll go, I'll find a plant that has a, a bowl that's just kind of grinning at you. And then I'll look and make sure it's got a, uh, first position bowls up the plant from there and then i'll slice those bowls and when you slice that bowl that's just grinning at you those sea coats are really really dark and then as you go up one two three four nodes above that you can kind of see how the the seeds are are very mature the cotyledons are well formed and unfurl and the sea coats get a little lighter and a little lighter as you go up but then you know when you get to about the six and seven nodes above a cracked bowl then you start running into, into that jelly where the cotyledons still aren't formed. So a lot of times, you know, somewhere around that, the four is kind of the number I like to use, but when you get in nodes above crack the bowl, about four or five, that's, that's kind of where we kind of get in that transition with what you're talking about, starting to see that jelly in there. And I talked to an agent today, they were in a field that had 850 heat units on there. Uh, they felt like they were running about 55% open bowl and node above cracked bowl was four. And I said, man, every, you got three, you got three signals there telling you that it's time to defoliate. And so they were, they were fixing to pull the trigger on it. No, absolutely. And so when we get to that point and we know it's time to go, uh, you know, there's several factors that I remember in doing defoliation work over the years that can play a role in how well that defoliation program works. And there is a lot of different ways we can defoliate a cotton crop. I mean, I've always <laughs> said and heard 
and I grew up hearing it's more of an art than a science. You just dump some things oh, together, yeah. cross your fingers, and, and hope it works good, you know. But but definitely, I think, you know, uh, when we look at temperatures, you know, temperature is a key in, in how well some products work versus others. You know, with, in the heat of the battle, you know, if we were putting out some defoliant earlier this week with the hot temperatures, I'm usually more of a just a – a drop, which I don't think we can even buy a drop anymore. It's called free fall. No, there may be yeah. some others, thiodazuron, whatever uh, formulation it's in, but thiodazuron or TDZ uh, plus prep or plus finish, you know, something with ethophon in it seems to be with what a lot of the consultants are going with right now with the temperatures the way they are. But, you oh, know, as we yeah. move, yeah, go ahead. But, you know, I was going to say, you know, my, my old standby is like a three way, you know, uh, def drop and prep, you know, you know, the, Absolutely. the, the, yeah. the, prep, the ethophon, a little bit of, uh, of, you know, Folex now, and then, uh, and then, uh, the TDC and then depending on how much regrowth inhibition we want is how much of uh, the thidazuron we want, you know, if we're just mainly on the knockoff green leaves, you know, a lot of times a gallon to 60 will get you, but if you're wanting to get, you know, a, a a, a little bit of regrowth inhibition, you need to drop down to a gallon to, to 50. And if you're really, really serious and need a lot of regrowth inhibition, you know, uh, what a gallon to 40, gallon to 45, somewhere in there. But anyway, uh, that'll get you on, on, on that. But some of the consultants I've been visiting with, and, and I know in the past when, when I looked at Finish, Finish was a little bit of an expensive product, but it's a really good product. It's a really that, good. It really is. It's yes. Good, I think. And something I like that it. I always like about that, Tom, it is so fast. Now, if right. the plant has a ton of horsepower and it's really, really green and all that. So a lot of times I've been a little disappointed in, in leaf drop on it, but the bowl opening, it's just, it has never disappointed me on bowl opening. But I think where our cotton is now with the temperatures we have, a lot of people are cutting back on their nitrogen. Uh, the plants have a good bowl load, having a good bowl load, a good, you know, bowl loads of stress, but having that good stress on the plant always seems to make the harvest aid products work. If you get big fruiting gaps and the plants just don't have that stress, then a lot of times the products don't work good. But most of the field I've seen now, you know, when you go into something like finish, I know I've talked to consultants and a lot of them are using like a, a gallon of 12 of finish and a gallon of 50 of drop. And, and that I think is a really good program. And, and they say it's a few cents cheaper than that, that old standby that I was just talking about. But the right. thing that that I really like about that, when you use finished out there, if you don't see it in four or five days, it's not going to happen. That's so right. So where a lot of times, right. we'd, I'd have to wait five to seven days. And sometimes if, if I had fruiting gaps and other things, I'd have to wait a whole week to put my bowl opening out there because I got to get the bowl opening products out there where they can get good contact on the bowls. But with this, and people I'm talking to this year, kind of the norm is four to five days. And so buying those extra days is i think is a big deal oh it makes a big difference if we can get that second application on there faster uh going with all the heat units that we're looking at losing you know in the next couple of weeks the faster we can get that second application on there and, and get these bowls opened up uh the better yeah. off we're going to be and and you know i I agree with you 100%. That finished product to me just looks – it's always been more expensive. So, in the past, a lot of people haven't used it because of that. But it, to me, yeah. it's a better – it has that synergist in there, and it, it just works faster, and it, and it provides yeah. better bowl opening potential, you know, horsepower, if you will, uh, than but, just a generic prep. But, you know, 
regardless of what we use, Tom, you know, defoliants don't translocate in a plant, do they? They, they, no. they are where you put them. And so we've got to do a good job of putting those in there. And, and, you know, as we get toward the end of the season, I see these spray rigs running across the field when we're, you know, we way, we're way past plant bug sprays now, but when we're kind of making, you know, kind of on the tail end of our plant bug sprays, you see those John Deere sprayers, second gear wide open. What is that about 17, 18 miles an hour? And, right, and, yeah. and some of them are not even, they're doing like seven, eight gallon work. How much of that stuff is really getting in the canopy? You know, if we do our harvest aids like that, we, you know, we're, we're going to be pretty sad, but you know, a lot of people slow down. Uh, you know, a lot of folks try to shoot for, uh, around the 12 gallon mark. Some go up to 15, but, um, but slowing down, putting out more water and, and, and Tom, I'm, you know, this world we're in now, we all, everything we do, I know it, things that I do, things that you do, things that farmers do. We all know what we're supposed to be doing, but sometimes we just have to do the best we can, don't we? Right. And so sometimes yeah. if we have to go a little faster than what we want, I've seen that when we use a coarser droplet size, that we do a better job of getting that product down in the canopy. It's something else that goes along with this. And I know, you know, it, it's, it's, it's sometimes easier said than done, but you know, when you got that 90 foot, 120 foot boom, the boss man's on your rear end all the time about not running that thing in the ground, hitting things and all that. And so it's, it's, it's easy for you to run that thing about 10 foot above the canopy, isn't it, Tom? And so I see a lot running. of them run that way. Yeah, so that you're not <laughs> running into things. And so when the boss man's there, a lot of times the boom height is about right. But when the boss man leaves, that boom height gets a little tall. But when that boom height gets a little tall, it'll tell on you because that velocity of that droplet coming out of that spray tip is really something that you need to get that down in there. And there's recommended heights for those tips. And, you know, a lot of them is right about a couple of foot. And so when we start getting over that, we lose, we lose the, the force of that droplet to help us get it in the canopy. So, so slowing down, putting out more water and, and using right droplet size and keeping that boon height where we want it, it's going to go a long, long ways on, on making these products work right and for us being happy with what's going on and making the leaves fall off and not sticking leaves. Well, that's right. And, and, uh, you know, nobody wants stuck leaves and that's, you know, that's again, those are usually the questions I get, what should I put out now? Cause I don't want to stick any leaves. You know, the temperatures are doing yeah. this or, or whatever, but you know, I go back to what you said that three way has always generally been a fail safe for me. Uh, and that's why I recommend it, you know, because yeah. any given mixture on one field may work, but if it's a broad recommendation, time in and time out, that three way on the front end, at least in the first shot, or the first application has always been yeah. the best and the safest as far as, as not sticking those leaves. And then really on the, on that second application, once you knock the top out of it on that second application, it doesn't matter to me as much about <laughs> the mixture then, because a lot of those leaves yeah. are just begging to fall off anyway. Yeah. Your, sen your off, sensitive leaves you know. that you're, that you're worried about sticking, they're gone. They're gone. <laughs> so you right. can be harsh. And so, you can be as harsh as you want on that second yeah. shot. That's right. <laughs> and so that's the beauty of, you know, here in Arkansas, you know, we go a two-shot approach. Now, I know in other states, like you go across the river to Mississippi, and they make a one-shot work really good for them. But the difference is if we waited till our cotton was 75 80% open, we can make a one-shot work. Okay, when would we start putting defoliants out in Arkansas when we got to be 70 to 80% open? It would be would – be, well, 
I don't know if we'd get there. It'd be in I don't October. think we'd get there. We would this have year, no heat might, units for it to work. We we'd go eat Thanksgiving dinner and then put it out. <laughs> this year. Yeah. And so so that's kind of the trade off. So here we got we got we got to find that sweet spot between getting the leaves off and getting it out of the field because the longer it sits in the field, you know, when we start getting the rainfall, when, when with fronts come through, we get the rainfall events, we get a lot of weathering on our cotton. We have weathering on our lint, you know, we lose, we lose weight, uh, uh, even if it doesn't fall to the ground, but then we lose cotton falling to the ground and then we lose, we lose fiber quality too. But see those, the, 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 the burrs deteriorate too. And there's been a lot of times that I've seen cotton where we're still in the field in December. And as soon as that picker header hits that plant, those, those locks shatter to the ground. And so, right. and so we've lost, we've lost way more cotton at the end of the year for it being still in the field. than <laughs> that yield that, penalty right, I was talking early. about yeah. is, is starting at 750 early. units, you know? Uh, so, yeah. so anyway, we got, we have to find that sweet spot because some of it we're probably, we need probably need to start a little too early some of it right. at the end we're going to be too late well it's like you said we got to get those pickers rolling so it's time yeah. you know it's time we've got to pick some fields and just and just get started if they haven't already um and you you know you mentioned the rainfall and i know we've got a front we're, we're sitting here visiting on thursday the 16th but you look at the long-term forecast and we've got some pretty high chances of rain uh early part of next week and you know bill when we talk about these applications and environment it's been my experience over the years that, you know, if you put anything out two to three days before that front or two to three days after, I mean, a lot of times it's just a waste of money. It, it seems to me like we yeah. have to let that cotton recover. I don't know if it's the cotton that needs to recover or, or just the environment itself, but the products just don't seem to work before and right after these cool fronts that move through this time of year. Oh, that, that's exactly true, Tom. And I tell people it's like the, the snowball effect. Okay, when we put harvest aids out, basically we're slowly injuring the plant. Because if we injure the plant too fast, we kill the leaf and it desiccates and sticks on the plant, right? So we want to slowly injure the leaf. And then in response to that energy injury, then the plant gives off ethylene, which is the plant has you know a big burst of ethylene. And then that triggers the formation of the enzymes that dissolve the layer cells and abscission zone. So the same, same abscission zone that make those leaves fall off is in the, the sutures on the bowls that the bowls open. Okay. So if we put, so it's like a two-step process. We got to do our part by putting it out there and then the plant has to do its part. So if we put, say if we're one or two days in front of a big cold, cold front and we do our part, but then this cold front comes through, we get a big rain, it's cloudy. You know, next thing you know, we're wearing coats. Well, the plant can't do its part. And, and we're most times we're very disappointed in the lack of performance on that, on that harvest aid to work because we did our part, but the plant couldn't do its part. And so then uh, a few days after that, the plant kind of, you know, cotton doesn't really grow when the temperatures get below 60, but it's not like flipping a light switch on and off. The plant, you know, it's, it's kind of, you know, you know, at the end of the year, it's kind of getting old like me. So you know, when, when I get to going again, sometimes it takes me a little while to get to going. And so, you know, there's a couple of days in there. We got to let the plant kind of recover so that whenever we, we do our part, the plant has got its feet under it enough so that it can do its part for the products to work. And, and a lot of people really feel like, you know, we need about that three or four day window in front of or behind a big significant change to, for, for, 
for the plant to do its part. Right, but, um, right. Well, and I know when you look at the, and we go back to products and product selection, you know, we tend to, as far as our recommendations, stay away from the herbicide type defoliants on that first application just because of the younger leaves and, yeah. and uh, you know, st the potential for those burning up before they fall off, like you mentioned earlier. Uh, so we tend to save those products for the second application because we can be more harsh and, and burning the leaves to get them off of there. But as these temperatures change, and if we see the temperatures dip down, you know, for highs below 60 degrees, I mean, we're pretty much stuck with the herbicide type defoliant to get the leaves off of there because products yeah. like drop or free fall, the ones containing thiazuron, once the temperatures fall below 65 degrees, they just don't work uh, right. very good at all anymore. And, so, and, you know, the plant activity is kind of like going down the steps. You know, our plant activity is high, so we're at the top. We're at, you know, on the, on the second floor and then, you know, things work good. We get our, you know, we've got our herbicide, uh, defoliant products like, uh, like Folex figured out. And then we get a cold front through and that activity drops down to the next step. Sometimes it drops two steps. And so we have to kick our rate up a little bit. And that's why some of those products are kind of a little bit tricky to use because every time we get a cold front or something come in, we have to up a rate a little bit. And, uh, so, you know, our plant activity goes keep stepping down, but it never, even when we get some really nice temperatures and all that, it never really step, it never really goes up the steps. It's kind of a one-way direction coming down. And so I've always feel like, you know, when we get temperatures in the very low fifties and upper forties, then we're almost at the very bottom of the staircase. We get to the point to where, you know, we may do a little bit of maturing of the lint and develop another seed, but basically, you know, the first time we get uh, temperatures down, you know, 50 to, to 48, 47, then it's done. It's over. And, you know, people that, you know, you know, cotton's a, a tropical plant, but, you know, you look at some of our grasses that we put up for hay, you know, you know, when we get temperatures cold like that, you know, hay, you know, growing hay is over with, isn't it, Tom? Uh, so, so we, you know, oh, think absolutely. of cotton kind yeah. of along the same line. And so like next Wednesday, your temperature is going to get down to 54 degrees is kind of what they're expecting on the 22nd. And so that's going to really take a big chunk out of the activity of the plant. And they're expecting a low of 52 on, on the last day of September on, on the forecast. And, and, you know, when, when you look at the forecast online, who knows you know, how accurate they're going to be. But the bottom line is we, we're running we're going to be running out of heat units really really quick even though you go outside right now and you just sweat your rear end off before long we're going to be wearing jackets and our heat units are going to be gone we're going to have some cool nights and plant activity is going to be gone and uh and and then we got we got a lot of a lot of a lot of ground to cover right yeah no i agree it's just time to uh time to get started uh do something even if it's wrong right yeah but, uh, so when we just real quick and we'll wrap up, but, you know, when we talk about fiber quality, you know, I get questions a lot, you know, how can I maintain or preserve fiber quality? And a lot of times we're not talking about getting premiums. We're really talking about avoiding discounts, yes. but, you know, how can, you know, what can we do, you know, from a defoliation harvest stage standpoint to avoid most of those discounts? I know we can't, you know, change whether it rains or not once it opens, but. Yeah. But other than color, what, what can we, what can we control there? But, you know, uh, you know, micronutrients, you know, 
Well, let's step back to last year and look. Last year, almost half of our acres were, were 1646. And 1646 has a wonderful fiber package. It has good mic, uh, the length, strength, all of that's really good. And, uh, you know, I think we've got some varieties this year that may have a little more high, a little higher mic. But bottom line is we had just about as good a cotton quality from, you know, when you look at percent of our crop that was tenderable, we had a higher percent of anybody else in the country growing cotton last year. Now, when we look oh, at this good. year, yeah. uh, you know, you know, think back in the old days, Tom, when we had like uh, 1218 and uh, yeah. 0912 <laughs> that were just that high mic in a heartbeat. Yeah. So we had to play the game to defoliate early to, to avoid that. I don't right. think we have any varieties that we have to worry about like that here. Okay. But the thing is, and I know you've probably done this too, Tom, but I've done, I've helped growers and I've had studies in fields where there was not a single leaf left on that plant and we harvest it and I get the grades back from the gen and I'm in the leaf discounts. And then you mm. get to looking at that and look at the bracts. There's some of the things that we do and we fry the bracts on the plant and they don't fall off. And so I think some of our leaf trash comes from that. Now, if we do a poor job on defoliation and we leave some of those leaf skirts on there, we're certainly some of the extra leaf that we're going to have is going to come from the leaves that are still on there. But things that we can do, and I'm looking at some products this year to see, okay, can we knock the leaves off and not fry the bracts? And so that'll help us there. Okay, yeah. so so that, that'll help us on the leaf some. Okay, now think about when we pick cotton, and I know I've done this before, you know, things things sometimes never go the way you want. And by the time I put a picker in the field, Tom, I think some of that cotton had more leaves on it when I picked it, the regrowth leaves and there were to start with before I even put any harvest aids out. And, you know, a lot of times, you know, I haven't, I don't think I've ever had cotton come back with green stain, but when you put that cotton up in, in it's a situation, if you can get it ginned off pretty quick, you can still have a lot of green leaf in there because that green leaf adds moisture. Just think what moisture does in a grain bin. That's where it's going to start heating up. That's when we start where you're having problems. When you have that moisture from that leaf in a, in a cotton trailer, in a module or in a round module, and it stays for a long time, it's going to add moisture. So we got molding and, and things like that are going on. And so we can go from, you know, we, we're, we're going to have, a, I think the, the way the weather's going right now, we're going to have a lot of 11s and 21s to start with. But yeah. then as we start getting more and more rain, we go, we start seeing more 31s and then we get down to 41s. And then as that weathers, then, then we start moving over to the, the, the 32s and the 42s and then working our way down south. So, so putting cotton up dry in a module, you know, don't start too early, don't go too late and then do a good job. Of, of dropping the leaves off and not having a lot of green leaf in there, that'll go a long ways toward helping us maintain the color that we have. Because, you know, just like you said a while ago, the quality of our cotton is as good as it's ever going to be when it's there in the field. Uh, Absolutely. You know, it, yep. And we just, we've got to do the things we need to do to keep, to preserve that good quality. So not having a lot of a green, you know, wet material in there to, to bring our color down. Those, those are the big things I think we can do. And I know sometimes when we have so many acres on a machine and we don't feel like we can, you know, hire somebody to come help us and we've got to do those ourselves. And so we, we start a little early in the morning and we go way too late in, in the day. Sometimes those discounts that we get because we put that cotton up wet can really nip us in the, in the wallet really, really hard. And sometimes we, you know, we kind of forget about that at the end, you know, when we look at things. So, so, right. uh, well, 
those are all real good points, Bill. Uh, I appreciate you joining us today and, and discussing some of these. Is there? I know there's a – now, the cotton specialist put out a publication every year. It's the Mid-South Cotton Defoliation Guide. Is that right? Yeah, we have an MP number for it, and I, and I think it's MP503, Tom. But it, but it's okay. it's on our website. You go to the the farm and ranch and go to the cotton uh, um, page on on our website, and it's a list of one of those publications. But the 2021 uh, Mid South Cotton Defoliation uh, 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 Guide. And that's a that's a collaborative project between yourself and several of the Mid South cotton specialists. Is that right? Yeah, oh, exactly. Or may go further than Mid South. I can't remember, <laughs> but yeah. Well, I think it's it's most of the states in in that. You know, like, you know, the northern part of Alabama is, is you know, they're, they're cotton the way they grow cotton, the way the cotton responds is just like Mid-South. So, right. you know, but, but anyway, it, it's a collaboration. And, you know, I think when, you know, when this started, you were the cotton specialist here. And, and so, you know, you had a big part in helping get this thing going. So we're just trying to, we're updating that and, and, keep, and keeping it alive, trying to keep it pertinent as much as we can. And I, I think I really, I, I like that publication. I think y'all did a great job when y'all got this going and, and with uh, myself and some of the other specialists were doing a good job of keeping it going. But I think, you know, a lot of people find that's a very, very useful guide. Yeah. So everybody should check that out. If you want some more information uh, on this topic that we're talking about today, it's got rates, it's got situations, uh, you know, situational type recipes, uh, depending on what situation you're in. And so, uh, I'd, I'd advise everybody to go check that out uh, online when you get a chance. So again, we want to thank everybody for listening. Uh, again, thanks to Dr. Bill Robertson uh, for joining us today and talking about cotton defoliation. And, uh, you know, we're hoping everybody has a safe and uh, abundant harvest this year. And hopefully, Bill, we can get through this one uh, safely and uh, quickly. Maybe maybe October yeah. will turn out dry and we can pick every day. That'd be great, wouldn't it? Yeah, we we got our fingers crossed that we'll end up this, but this is always kind of my favorite time of the year because it's oh, almost yeah. over. It's almost That's over, right. man. I just always <laughs> anyway, enjoy harvest. Yeah. But, okay. But I well, appreciate you inviting me to do this with you, Tom. Absolutely. I uh, appreciate you being here. And we'll thank everybody for joining us on this episode of the Weeds Are Wild podcast series on Arkansas Row Crops Radio. Arkansas Row Crops Radio is a production of the University of Arkansas System Division of Agriculture. For more information, please contact your local county extension agent or visit uaex.edu.